Welcome into the final episode of season one of the Out of Options podcast on the 435 Podcast Network, 610sports.com, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening through spring, summer, and fall. Now that the Royals minor league season has ended, uh, we are wrapping up season one with Royals right-handed pitcher Mason Barnett, who is the 12th ranked prospect on MLB.com, a third round pick in the 2022 MLB draft out of Auburn University, just 22 years old, and has finished his season at AA Northwest Arkansas. As I mentioned, uh, this is the final episode of Season 1. Thank you to everyone who has listened, subscribed, downloaded through here Season 1. We'll be continuing this podcast next year in 2024, once the minor league season gets going there. But it has been really fun to getting to know these guys uh, and where their journey to where they are now and watching the journey progress to guys making their major league debuts like Samad Taylor and Nick Lofton. And if you missed either one of those episodes, be sure to check out the podcast feed again on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. As I mentioned earlier on today's podcast, we're talking to Mason Barnett out of Auburn, a right-handed pitcher in the Royals organization who's ranked 12th on the prospect list according to MLB.com, which says, quote, Barnett is a wild card when it comes to starting or relieving with scouts differing on the projection. He's done a nice job of ironing out previous control issues at high A quad cities in 2023, and as a result, he joined AA Northwest Arkansas in August of his first full season. That should quiet some concerns about his inability to start, but the upper levels will provide the best test of those abilities. In today's episode, we'll get to know more about uh, Mason's famous classmates in high school, his choice of going to Auburn, getting drafted, and of course, ending each episode with rapid-fire random questions that we like to call on the bus here on the podcast. But where we had to start is Mason grew up in the greater Atlanta metro area, which is a a big mix of college fever and professional sports. And I wanted to learn a little bit more about the teams that he grew up rooting for in Atlanta. You're exactly right. There's a lot of sports. There's a huge thing down there in Atlanta. And so uh, I grew up a diehard Georgia fan. I mean, die hard. I mean, I would go to camps. I went there for my birthdays. Like that was that was where my mom graduated. My older brother, uh, my whole, pretty much my whole family. My dad grew up in Athens. They're all huge Georgia fans. So that's that's what I grew up going to. Um, obviously, huge Braves fan as well. Um, the new stadium is probably 30, 35, 40 minutes from my house, right down the interstate. So it's really easy to get to. And so uh, those were kind of the teams we would always root for. Obviously, any any Atlanta-based team, we kind of root for the Falcons or the Hawks. But obviously, baseball and then uh, college football were the the biggest things that we that I would uh, go for. So my grandparents are from Thomasville, Georgia, which is a small town. So I grew up going down to the Georgia area a lot, and that's how I became a Braves fan. Mm-hmm. You're too young for the '90s Braves teams, but. Tell me about watching the Braves as, as part of your childhood. How many games did you go to? What was that experience yeah. like? Yeah, Braves, Braves, uh, Braves games were always super, super fun just because, um, like I said, it's not that far. Uh, me and some of my best friends growing up, would, uh, would we would, it was a big deal if we went down there and got to got to go to that to those games. I, I remember actually in high school, my freshman year, they did this thing every year uh, where we got to play at Turner Field. 
and we'd go out there. So I got I got to pitch at Turner Field and get a base hit at Turner Field. It was really cool. Um, but yeah, like the Braves fan, like uh, like like you said, I grew up a Braves fan since I was little, and it actually was crazy because my uh, my pitching coach at Auburn was Tim Hudson, who pitched for forever for the Braves. So it was really cool to see that come full circle like that. And uh, but yeah, it was it's always gonna have like a a nice spot in my heart for it because uh you know the Braves are my my team from from when I was young so so Chipper Jones is was everything in between he was everything to me growing up I mean my Twitter bio has number ten at the end of it for Chipper Jones I wear mm-hmm. ten in beer league you know hockey like Chipper Jones is my guy did you have a guy growing up that you emulated whether it was pitching or another sport. Well, Chipper Jones is obviously one of the guys that everybody wanted to be like. He was the guy, like third baseman, like, like he was – I mean, it was Chipper Jones, you know. I remember Mark Teixeira when he was with the Braves. He was a big one that I, I really liked. Um, Martin Prada was another one. Uh, Escobar at shortstop, he was one. And at the time, I, I mean, I was little. I was playing – I think I was playing shortstop at that time, so – Obviously, you know, Escobar was like the guy that I wanted to be like, I guess. But that's just because he was playing shortstop. Um, but I, I specifically remember, you know, Tim Hudson, Derek Lowe, those pitchers. And then, you know, obviously Chipper Jones. It was like my uh, my grandma actually one year. She got me this plaque and it had uh, jerseys of the Braves guys. So it had Chipper Jones, Derek Lowe my name with like the whatever draft pick and then uh martin prado like all in line together i was like that's pretty cool i still have it to this day it's pretty funny you went to cartersville high school right yes i did so you were probably you were there at the same time as trevor lawrence yes he uh trevor was actually one year older than me but yes i was there at the same time yep what was that like because people (laughs) knew about him even before clemson What's oh, yeah. going to school with a, a quarterback of that who has that name recognition, even as a high school junior, senior? Oh, yeah. No, that was definitely something that everybody talked about for sure. I mean, he was he was kind of the guy that everybody – that's what – I mean, almost so that's what Cartersville was known for was Trevor Lawrence, you know. Uh, I'll never forget, like, this has to be my junior year. No, sophomore sophomore year, that's what it was. I don't know. I don't know if he was committed quite yet to Clemson, but I do remember Nick Saban flying in on a helicopter on a practice field, and everybody was talking about it. And um, my teacher at the time was flipping out because she was a huge Nick Saban fan, and she was flipping out. And we were just like, "You gotta go see him. You gotta go see him." And she didn't. She what? She kind of chickened out. But uh, but yeah, no, it was he's. He was the guy everybody talked about. Every time I say, hey, I'm like, where are you from? I'm from Cartersville. Oh, you you know Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, I, I know Trevor. Yeah. he's he. You probably wouldn't recognize me walking down the street, but uh, we did go to school together. <laughs> Do you want, have you ever seen the show Seinfeld? Yeah, a little bit. I've seen clips, I guess. Okay. So uh, Wayne Knight, who played the role of Newman on Seinfeld, also went to your high school. Has, did you know oh, that? I did not know that at all. Yeah, I, I went down a rabbit hole once I saw Trevor Lawrence, Mason Barnett, Cartersville High School. As Then it said Wayne Knight. I was like, that's Newman. I did not know that at all. No yeah. way. Did you did you I, play football there or was it only baseball? 
No, I just played baseball there. That that my so my when I got there, I actually transferred in my freshman year uh, from a different school I was supposed to go to. Um, the baseball program in this place was just so much better at Cartersville, and that that was kind of what I knew I was going to do. Anyway, um, no, I, that team was kind of ridiculous, and there was no need for me to play football <laughs> at all. And if I was, you know, I'm, I'm the type of guy that if I'm going to play a sport, I want to play. I don't want to, you know, not and I, I uh, take heart in the guys that are there to be on the team. But I, I would want to play. That's just kind of who I am. And uh, there was just no chance. That team was a, almost a D1 football team when I was there. So I, I asked each guy this on the podcast. Is there a moment or when did you start to realize that? you maybe had a little bit more talent than, than people you were playing against and, and started realizing that you had the chance to play high level college baseball. I think the moment I realized I was probably 15 or 16 years old. Um, I was kind of throwing harder than a lot of the other guys. Um, I was having a lot, you know, I was having a lot of success and just travel baseball, I guess. And, uh, I think that's when I kind of started to realize, like, as we got older, coming into my you know sophomore year of high school, just kind of, man, I got a, I got a real chance. Like, my, uh, I'll never forget, it was my freshman year in high school, and I'm a kind of a new guy, and, you know, we go to baseball tryouts, and the head coach straight up told me, hey, man, I think you have a chance to get your college paid for if if you keep working hard and doing your thing. And that's kind of when it started. And then the next year I kind of saw like, Hey man, I actually got a, a real chance at this. So. And is that when the recruiting process started as well, that between freshman and sophomore year? No. Um, the recruiting process started going into my junior year. So that sophomore summer going into junior year, um, that's when I kind of hit the map. That's when it started picking up really fast for me. And I know how rivalries are in the SEC. Here's a kid from Georgia, as you as you mentioned to start the pod, Georgia Bulldog lifelong fan, and you end up at Auburn on the other side of the state line. Yeah, was Auburn the right fit for you? And were you ever conflicted about that? Oh boy, was I conflicted! Absolutely, I was. But uh, the the best advice I ever got was from my coach, one of my coaches, and he said, "When you're going through." recruiting for baseball you have to take the football part out of it you got to take the football part out of it you got to go where it's best for you and that's what Auburn was Auburn was a a program that I I, I really respected and the coach was you know Butch Thompson's one of the best men you could possibly ever play for in my opinion and that's what led me to Auburn. Uh, you know, I, I had offers from Georgia. I mean, and it was one of my dream schools, but the fit just wasn't quite as good as Auburn. And I think Auburn was just kind of ended up me going there, and so that's kind of how it happened. Just a better fit for me and what I what I wanted, who I wanted to play for. So, did you enjoy the recruiting process? Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was really cool because, like my, you know, my brothers don't they didn't play baseball they don't play baseball and uh they my family never really had like a an athlete to go play college at all and so going get through the recruiting process it was like almost like a movie for me as a kid because I've never 
had any type of relationship with anybody that had gone through it before, except for my, you know, my good friends through baseball. So it was, it was really cool for me because it was like I was watching the blind side or something, you know, going all these visits and stuff. So I enjoyed it for sure. So now I guess the question is when Auburn and Georgia play each other in football, are you wearing half a Auburn jersey, half a Georgia jersey? How, how does that rooting work nowadays? So I root for Auburn 100% of the time because that's the school I went to. But I root for Georgia on any other game except for when they play Auburn. And it gets really tough when Auburn was struggling and Georgia was number one. And if Auburn somehow wins, that screws up Georgia's season. But I'm still rooting for Auburn. I'm like, what do I do here? That was the toughest. That was that was the hardest thing for me. It's like, all right, Auburn has pretty much no chance. They've already lost a couple games. Georgia's still undefeated. If Auburn somehow wins this game, that ruins Georgia's season. And then I have no chance of, of you know, one of my teams, you know, going and winning it all. So that was – that's when it gets real tough. But like I said, I'll, I'll always be an Auburn fan through and through. And Georgia always is going to have a, a good spot in my heart. So, All right. Well, your teammate uh, right now with Northwest, Peyton, Peyton Wilson, was on last week's episode. And I asked him to say, you know, give me a piece of trash talk. And he said, anything you say bad about Auburn, I can get behind. So now I need <laughs> something for you to say about the University of Alabama uh, to Peyton. Well, like you said, um, I grew up a Georgia fan, and then I went to Auburn. So that Alabama hate is there. It is, and it is strong. So um, I'm gonna have to say it just like he did. Anything bad, ugly, and different about Alabama, I am 100 percent behind. I know you grew up in the in the region, but were you even surprised at that level of rivalry? Um, between those two schools, or did that that take an adjustment period? Even even growing up in the you know the southeast, yeah, it was it was funny because I always knew about the Iron Bowl, and like I knew it was a big rivalry. What I was more surprised about was the Auburn Georgia rivalry. I didn't realize how big that was until I got to Auburn, and you'll you'll hear people say like hey man I, I almost hate georgia more than i hate alabama and i'm like what no way but yeah like the it, either school they auburn fans don't like either one of them and i guess i'm not the, the the weird one that likes georgia but the there's hate for both schools for both them but the the uh the rivalry is very strong whether it for alabama whether it's baseball football like any sport like when Auburn's playing Alabama it's like hey we're coming here to dominate we're not just here to win so Auburn has a bunch of legends you already mentioned Tim Hudson Frank Thomas another Hall of Famer for Kansas Cityans there are stories and stories about Bo Jackson I mean he's like any Bo Jackson you story that you hear everybody just believes it's true is there an Auburn Bo Jackson story that gets passed down generation by generation that you heard that you couldn't believe that's it's also probably true at the same time? I'm trying to think. No one's told me a story specific about him except when he told him it himself. So like him saying he had like I wanna say he said he hit like four 
home runs against Georgia that were like, and I've been to Georgia's baseball field, and he was like, yeah, I was putting them up there near the on the tennis courts, and I was like, what? Like the tennis courts are way behind the field. Like you're putting on the tennis courts. Like what? And but the yeah no he uh, I haven't heard a story like that except when when he when he tells it. And everybody nobody's gonna disagree with Bo. So whether it's true or not, you know, it's just like yeah, it's what happened. That it's the same thing around here. No, we've heard thousands of Bo Jackson ath- athletic feat stories, and nobody's ever denied that they're actually true or false. And I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, that dude was a freak. Yeah. Um, how did you enjoy your three years at Auburn? Uh, you're one of the many people that had COVID partially affect your college career. Uh, that 2020, your freshman season getting cut short, and then and then two years to follow, 2021 mm-hmm. being a little bit different, just with I'm sure not full capacity, even restrictions in place. When you look back, how would you describe your three years at Auburn? Um, you know, fresh COVID year was so weird. It was so weird. But the three years I had, you know, I wouldn't trade for anything. I I needed college to grow up, to learn time management, to get ready uh, for pro ball. So that that that's the biggest blessing I had from was college was it prepared me for for pro ball when I'm at now. Um, but yeah, like it it was it, COVID year was weird and it, it kind of it made the next year even weirder when there's half capacity and I you know didn't have a necessarily a role but like I said like the biggest thing I could say is Auburn prepared me for pro ball and I'm super thankful and I have no regrets about anything about it so and obviously they prepared you really well getting taken in the early rounds of the 2022 draft take me to that day uh, what were your yeah. expectations? Had you, did you think the Royals were a possibility or all teams were on the board? Just walk me through your process of getting to that day. I knew, um, yeah, like I knew there was a, I knew the Royals were interested for sure. I knew, I knew they were interested in me. I didn't realize how much. Um, and I really, my agent was really just kind of taking care of it all for me. And he was like, Hey, if I get a call, if you get a call from me, just know like it's 100% that we are 100% sure that you're getting taken. So like if you get a call, it's not going to be one of those like, hey, like you're going to get drafted here and then something else and then your name doesn't get called. Like we are going to be 100% sure. And so we knew I probably wasn't going on day one um, in the first two rounds. We, we kind of knew that, um, but I, we had, we didn't know where to expect on that that second day. We knew it was probably in there early on the second day, but we didn't know how early. And sure enough, we just get the TV set up. We're watching and we're setting up food. Every, everybody, you know, my family's just kind of dispersed. And then all of a sudden I get a call. I'm like, uh, guys, we're going to have to – come in the living room like <laughs> it's about to happen and they're like what what and everybody starts freaking out it happened within like 30 seconds like hey i got a call hey you're getting picked up and i was like oh gosh here we go and he's like hey we'll we'll talk about the details later but congrats we'll we'll give you a call in a second sure enough boom happens in 30 seconds and the next pick was going on i was like dang well that that just happened like it was just really quick and uh, I was just happy my family was there to, to be there with me. So, it, paint me the picture. You're in the living room, 
family jumping up and down, hugs, what's on the oh yeah. The kitchen, like, what's I'm, being prepared? I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there watching TV, get the name called, and like just kind of like a deep breath comes over me, and then my mom's crying. I'm I'm hugging my my dad, my mom, my brothers, my aunt, my uncle are over there, my neighbors, and they're they're all just you know, everybody's jumping up and down, and I'm just like kind of overwhelmed almost like wow that just really happened like i i that was pretty crazy I, I, you know what i mean it was just got a lot of emotions all at once i guess were you stressed leading up to it or you took your mind off it by going to play golf or you know anything to yeah. pass the time i mean i i knew i was going to get picked up i just didn't know like when and so that that was kind of like, all right, I know I'm getting picked up at some point. I'll let the rest kind of handle itself like that. That's kind of where I, that's why you have an agent. That's why you have somebody that's taking care of it for you. So that I, I knew it was taken care of. I knew whatever happened was going to happen. And, you know, I just kind of had, had faith that it was going to be whatever happened was going to be the right thing. So. And that night, uh, Cigar on the back porch with dad after all the hard work. Is it beers with high school or college buddies? There's got to be, a yeah. little bit of, you know, decompression and a little bit of fun that night. Yeah, for sure. So once I got drafted, you know, the couple hours later, me and my dad were sitting out there on the porch and my brothers and whoever else was there. Or, you know, we had a couple beers. And then my buddy, actually, one of my best friends from back home calls me. Hey man, like what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just chilling. He's like, Well, you need to come out, come out with us. And so we we went out that night and had and hung out with some. Oh, well, actually, we actually didn't even go out. We we stayed at his at his spot and we had a had a couple beers together as well. So it was it was a good night for sure. And then the Royals put you pretty much right to work. You had to Arizona, and I know you ended up pitching a little bit in Columbia. I just briefly kind of looked at your stats. I mean, eight innings, no hits, twelve strikeouts, and one walk. And I know this is like coming right after your junior season of Auburn, but this is now professional baseball. In mm -hmm. that couple of weeks and and those eight innings, calm the nerves a little bit and give you some confidence going into the 2023 spring training. Like, hey, I I can do this. Like, I've made my pro debut already. Settle the nerves a little bit and, and just a little bolster of confidence heading into spring training. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, you know, getting sent out was. I honestly wasn't expecting it at all. And they were like, hey, like, some stuff happened. Some guy, you know, quit. And there's a spot open. And we think you could help out. And it was just the last two weeks of the season. But I was just glad to get my feet wet and get a kind of a taste of what it was going to be like that next year. So I think it absolutely was a, a big deal for me to get out and send out those last two weeks. Describe the feeling of your walking into your first full professional spring training earlier this spring. A year ago, you were preparing for SEC hitters, and now you're sharing locker rooms with future Hall of Famers and, um, you know, guys that have 10-year-plus big 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 league careers, excuse me. What's that moment like for you when you when you walk into the surprise training facility? Yeah, I, I was I – was, I knew I had prepared well this, that, that offseason, so the nerves as far as baseball goes – wasn't that high obviously there was nerd like it was first spring training like there's going to be a little bit but um i think 
when it really hit me was when Zach Grinke was there, you know, training in the same, you know, working out in the same facility I was, I was like, dang, this is like, this is real. Like, this is like, all right, like, here we go. You know what I mean? Like, this was like, this is what I've, you know, trained for my whole life. And that guy right there is like going to be a hall of famer. Like that's the guy I want to be like one day, you know what I mean? So that, that was, that was really cool with that first spring training to see him. And uh, that's when it kind of hit me like, dang, like, this is real now. The second guy I wanted to ask about is Aroldis Chapman. Ever see him working out? Did you ever get a chance to stand next to him and throw a bullpen? Because each guy I've talked to this year has a different appreciation for the size and just physical nature of, of what he's like. I didn't – I had no idea how big that dude was. No idea until I saw him and I was like, that guy's shoulder is the size of my head. Like, it's like he's m- a massive human being. Like, no wonder he throws so hard. Like that guy, and and he was and he was jacked. Like he wasn't just like a big dude. Like he was jacked, and he was like I was almost mesmerized because I've never really seen a guy that big before. You have a different level of appreciation seeing him throw a bullpen. I mean. You see guys throw on TV, right? You've watched professional mm-hmm. baseball for years, but then when you see an all-star closer, you know, from two, three feet away, is that just a different level of appreciation? Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Because it, there's nothing like seeing it in person, like seeing craft in person. Like, it kind of brings a, the reality to it. Like, oh, God, this guy's a real dude. Like, this isn't just something on a screen. Uh, and that it was actually funny you say that because uh, in spring training I was throwing it in the double A game and right next to us was uh, I think there was a couple big leaguers but anyway Jacob Degrom started that other game and so while I was warming up to go into that double game Jacob Degrom was finishing his outing literally the mound next to me and I was like I can't how do I warm up with this guy right here next to me like. And it was just dot, dot, dot. He was dotting everything, sliders, change-ups, heaters, like whatever it was. It was like exactly where he wanted it, exactly how he did it. And I was like, this is – I mean, this is Jacob DeGrom right here. Like, this is crazy. But DeGrom's going to be the answer in about 10 years of which pitcher do you wish stayed healthy for his entire career. Mm-hmm. He's just had yeah. bad, bad luck because he is freakish with his with his abilities. He is. So you leave spring training, you go to Quad Cities, and now you've been called up to Northwest Arkansas, you know, early in August. Walk us through the the call-up story. Um, manager calls you in the office. Do you just give us the story behind it? Yeah, so we are in Peoria, which isn't too far from Quad Cities. We're in Peoria. Um, I just had just pitched a game. And then, uh, for, you know, I had – gone consistently like five or six innings almost every outing and for whatever reason I was at I was like yeah this will probably be it after that sixth inning I was like yeah that's probably it um because my pitch count was whatever it was and uh they sent me back out and I'm like all right I'll run with it you know so I I, I go seven I get back in the locker room I'm changing and I uh do my arm care and I kind of the the window in the training room you can kind of see through and I see uh, Brooksy, my manager, he's on the phone. I'm like, 
I wonder what, you know, you don't really see them on the phone that often after games unless someone's about to get called up. So anyway, I'm over there and I'm changing and then he calls me over. He's on the phone. He's like, hey, come here, come here. So I, I go in his office. He's like, hey, man, how'd you feel tonight? And I was like, felt good. Like pretty normal start. One of those were like, I think the line was better than how I actually felt. But, you know, it was one of those. And he goes, yeah, man, you look good. You kind of get squeezed, whatever, just baseball talk. And uh, he's like, well, I just got the call, man. You're going up to double A. And I was like, oh, like, I, I I was just like, oh, dang. Like, that, I wasn't expecting that one, you know. I, I thought maybe near the – closer to the end of the year. But, nope, you're going up to double A. And I was like, dang, let's go, you know. I was excited, you know. And then uh, the pitching coach was right there, congratulated me. And it was, it was a good night. We, uh, But I had to – I had to pack up all my stuff, and luckily, like, the bus, for whatever reason, we were stuck in traffic, so um, all my suitcase and stuff was still in the locker room, so I didn't have to unpack or pack back up. Like, I just got my stuff. Like, the next morning, we left pretty early, around 8, and the uh, next thing I knew, I was on. Uh, I was driving back to northwest Arkansas. So you hopped in your truck or car and – did that drive from yep. Eastern Iowa to yep. Northwest Arkansas? Well, they, they were actually in Springfield, Missouri, so it was actually a little bit of a shorter drive. Oh, nice. But I just, but yeah, I went back to Quad Cities. I was actually in a host family. I was cleaning up the basement I was staying in, packed up all my stuff, and headed out and met him in Springfield and made it in time for the game. It was about a seven seven and a half hour drive, and just through a bunch of pastures and cornfields crazy i know you have to be humble answering this question but towards the end of your quad cities run had you had the feeling that you kind of had graduated beyond a ball um whether it was success on the mound or just generally speaking and i understand you have to be humble right because it's a process of each step of the minor leagues is important but have you had that sense where it's like all right i'm i'm probably ready to progress this season to see what I can do against double A hitters. I mean, I knew, you know, I knew there was a, a chance, but in my mind, I was just like, all right, like I was just more in compete mode than anything. Like I was just like, all right, like next start, like who I got, like how am I going to attack these guys? Like it wasn't really like, you know, man, I, I wish I was, you know, I've been throwing well, I wish I was in double, you know, there was none of that. It was more like, all right, like, I just want to keep doing the best I can and keep like, uh, I guess the word I'm looking for is just, I just wanted to be where my feet were. You know what I mean? I wasn't looking too, too forward in the, in the future. Cause I, this, this is my first season and I wasn't, you know, I'm not trying to get too far ahead of myself. I just, I was focused on exactly that next game and exactly where I was at that point in time. So all right, well, we end each podcast with something called On the Bus. It's rapid-fire random questions to get to know you on and off the field. Give me your go-to snack for any bus trip. Any bus trip? Uh, I'll probably go like the Mott, the Mott's uh, fruit snacks. Those are really good to me. Small bag or the big bag? Uh, this is a small one, yeah. I'll probably have like two or three of them, but yeah. Okay. Can you sleep on the bus? Yeah, I can sleep in any moving vehicle, whether it's an airplane Bus, car, doesn't matter. I, I'd sleep easy. That's one of those skills I wish I had for flying. I can't <laughs> sleep anywhere. 
Who's the most played artist on your phone? Ooh, probably. Oh, this one's tough. Morgan Wallen's up there. Believe it or not, Elvis Presley's on there. Ever since that movie came out, I've just been a huge fan. It really, it's a lot of country artists. Chris Stapleton's one of my favorites. Like, so that the probably those three. On games you pitch during that date, you have a superstition that you have to go through. Not really. No, I, I, I you know, I don't do the same thing ever. I, I mean, I go through my routine every day on my start day, but there's not really a superstition I would say that I go through. Do you golf? Oh, yeah. I've started to become an avid golfer. For sure. Okay. Give me your worst golf course pet peeve. Oof. Because there's a lot of them for me. There's a lot. I hate when guys take about 15 practice swings just to hit a ball about 20 yards and then not go anywhere. That really makes me ticked off a little bit. Another one is just like when a guy hits a ball, like not even close to in play and he's still trying to go look for it. And we take 20 minutes to look for it. And I'm like, dude, like just drop your ball. It's okay. It's really, it's really just slow gameplay. Like when, when the, when it's taking way too long and I have to wait 15 to 20 minutes just to hit one more ball. That's when I get irritated. That's when I'm like, all right, this is ridiculous. Like why did I even come out here? Yeah, all good ones. Uh, what's your go-to coffee order? So there's a place in Auburn, and I cannot wait to get it again, but it's called a honey bomb. It's brown sugar, honey, and cinnamon, and it's a latte, and it is the best latte I've ever had. I haven't really come close to it. So that if I could have anything, that is what I'd go to. Hot That's or cold? Iced, for sure. Iced, Okay. Now, if it's real cold outside, I'll get it hot just because it, it tastes good. But the ice one for sure. Is that an on-campus place or just part of town? Yeah, it's on campus. Yeah. Okay. Or just off it, I guess. Can you cook? Oh, yeah. I love it. Well, I can grill. The, so, the, the, the side dishes are something I'm still working on. But If you had to grill for someone important, uh, I don't know if you're in a relationship or not, but let's just say your future in-laws or girlfriend's family and you had to cook something what would it be oh i'm I'm going to grab a nice nice cut of steak and throwing it on the grill and and you know cooking it however they like it and putting it on the plate for them for sure that's that's what i'm going to salt and pepper seasoning or plain uh i use the seasoning my dad's taught me there's a little a little bit of everything in there garlic garlic salt you know seasoned salt um garlic pepper like just kind of mix it all in there and make my own thing. But the the thing I like the most is the Worcestershire sauce. That's that's kind of that's kind of what I'll rock with. Well A1 after it for me is perfect too. What's the worst household chore? My least favorite was always going through the house and getting trash. Like I didn't want to walk up the stairs, get the trash up there and then go down and then get over here and over there. That that was the worst. And then having to put it all together and then putting it in and the trash can and walking it all the way down the end of the drive. That was always my least, least favorite. When you got your first professional paycheck, did you splurge on anything specific? Um, no, I, what I did, I'm, uh, Lulu, Lulu lemon, my girlfriend got me kind of addicted to it. Uh, 
that I kind of I would go there some I, I usually if there's a Lulu store I go check it out and there's usually something I'll end up buying probably what was your last Halloween costume that you wore oh what was it um I assume it had to be junior year of, of college uh, <laughs> what did I dress up as I'm trying to remember I want to say I did something from Yellowstone Threw on a cowboy hat and was like wearing jeans and boots. Kind of looked like a normal Auburn guy, honestly. But the goal was to be like a Yellowstone character. Like, did you watch that show? Like, going for the rip look? Yeah, I was kind of going for like just the – I needed a horse, though. That's what I was missing. But, yeah, yeah. That, that was kind of going for it. All right, two two questions left for you, speaking of Yellowstone. Uh, what's the, the last either movie or TV show that you watched or are currently watching Right now, I just finished Suits. I started Peaky Blinders. I'm also walking, watching the uh, Ahsoka series on Disney Plus for Star Wars. Um, I'm kind of mixed all of those together right now. So, I think Peaky Blinders has been on like you know on Netflix it says like my list. I think it's been on my list for seven years, and I just have not started yeah. it. Worth worth. Yeah, starting. I. I've heard so many good things and I was like, you know, what? let's just watch it. And it's, it's good. It's real good. So. I got to get to it. All right. Final one. Uh, do you play fantasy football? I do not. I don't watch NFL really. I'm more of a college fan. Everybody asks me, I'm like, dude, I would love to do it, but I don't feel like doing the punishment for the league at the very end or losing money just because I don't watch NFL. Okay. So, I don't watch it enough for me to get interested, so I, I just stick with my college football and, and roll with that. Is it a big thing in the locker room right now, guys talking about it? Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of gander and, and uh, smack talk going on for sure. Is there a clubhouse league for the guys who have been in Northwest for most of the year? How, how does it work? Or yeah, the organization? there's a lot of guys and like, five different leagues if that makes any sense there's like their buddies from home their buddies from quad cities their buddies from northwest arkansas they'll create a new one with the guys they want to smack talk with and like there's a bunch of different leagues that are going on helps pass the time in some of those uh oh yeah right oh yeah Sure. You got football games all over the clubhouse and everybody yelling and screaming, I need this, throw a pass, I need the yardage or whatever. But is it the first thing everybody checks when they come in from the Sunday day game? Absolutely. That's that's the first thing they do. All right. Well, how am I doing in fantasy? <laughs> yep. Pretty wild. Well, Mason, I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh congrats on the first season of Pro Ball. Hope you have a great offseason and uh we'll see you in in surprise coming up next year. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. Thank you to Mason for taking the time to sit down and talk with me as he wrapped up his first professional full season inside the Royals organization. And again, thank you to everyone who has listened throughout the year to the Out of Options podcast here on the 435 Podcast Network, 610sports.com, or wherever you get your podcasts, including the Odyssey app. Uh, Again, this is the final episode of season one. There is going to be a season two. Really pumped uh, about next year. And some of the guys that we didn't have a chance to talk to uh, in season one. But obviously we'll have the 2023 draft class and a couple other high-level prospects uh, that didn't make the cut here in season one. But really, really appreciate everybody who's listened, who's subscribed, who's downloaded the podcast. um, Have really enjoyed getting to do this 
um, May, June, July, August, and now into September. We will be back next baseball season. Um, May and try and do some off-season content, including catching up with a couple of the guys that made their debuts, Nick Lofton, um, Samad Taylor, Anthony Veneziano, Jonathan Bolin. Uh, and again, if you missed any of those episodes, go back in the podcast feed and get to know those guys um, as it's really, really exciting to talk to these guys at the minor league level and then see them live out their dreams by being called up to the Royals. Again, thank you so much for listening. This is the final episode of Season 1. Look out for some off-season content before next season, and we will be back for Season 2 here on the Out of Options podcast, on the 435 Podcast Network, 610sports.com, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you again soon.